This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to the following. Robert Taylor, Justin Higgins, Andrew Fry, Colin Principe, Patrick Meyer, Lojo Ryder Works. Is that a name? I'm going to say that's a name. Robert Carter, George White, Matthew Jones, and Andrea Stitch. <gasps> oh, fine and faithful spoiler rights all. And this one goes out to they. Now backwards. Ditch Andreas. Never mind. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue... Once upon a time, there were three little nerds who strenuously avoided the police academy. One taught film, one owned more comics than any sane person ever should, and they eventually attracted a kid sidekick who loved candy bracelets and the Pokemon. But I took them away from all that, and now they work for me. My name is Robot Overlord. We tried to do the pose, but I pulled a muscle, and Steven's been limping around in the Jacqueline Smith boots, and as for Zach in the bikini, just let's... Let's let's just say that it's time to go and the major spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 533 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, thank you for being a part of this free experience that we bring to you each and every day through the majorspoilers.com website and almost every day through our myriad of podcasts on the Major Spoilers podcast network. Rodrigo was, is out again today. He no. has uh, got uh, got company. So uh, he's he's uh, entertaining people. <laughs> That's a euphemism for rickets. Mm, okay. Scurvy. I don't even know what rickets is. Rickets is a disease caused by a lack of vitamin D, I believe. Scurvy. Yeah, yeah. That's Scurvy, what the pirates yeah. used to get because they weren't Scurvy. getting enough uh, vitamin C in there. That's yeah. why they always ate oranges and grapefruit. And oh, hey, look at the news. So DC Comics has uh, shown off all their books that they will be shipping in November 2013. D23 re reveals a lot of Disney stuff, but no Star Wars news. And Lego announces the Simpsons line. Let's spin that wheel of destiny. Let's see where we land. Let's see if it's anything interesting at all. Oh, right there on Lego announces the Simpsons line. So, Zach, what's this all about? So, what has happened... At Lego has yes. announced an upcoming line mm -hmm. of Simpsons sets. <laughs> really? Yes. And they'll be based off of the cartoon called The Simpsons. Really? Yeah. It's a, I don't know if you've heard of it. Well, it's I pretty, stopped watching it 10 years ago when it got crappy. So. Oh, okay. Oh, so you, don't ha you be do know. Such a hater. You do you know it's been on for as long as I've been alive. Yes, right. it has been. It's been, yeah. it's been longer since you've been alive. Right. Are you 25? No. Okay, it's been on longer than you. There you go. Yeah, so Lego that it will release a full line of Simpsons Lego sets based on the classic show. We don't know what they're going to uh, put out. We don't know. We don't even know what they're going to look like. Nope. Because like uh, no prototypes have been sent out. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, they try to make the... Um, the minifigs kind of look like the characters, the SpongeBob and the right. Patrick from the SpongeBob yeah. Lego set. Eh, it looked okay, but I'm just wondering how they're going to deal with the. Uh, I mean, Bart would be easy because they've Bart already got good. a they've right. already got a hairstyle that matches with that. Mm -hmm. But I think some of these other yeah. characters with their distinct looks are going to be a little difficult to capture, right? Especially with the Lego style, which is definitely of a more a blocky style, right? Unlike that other company, we, which we shall name, not name. Exactly. I have a Lego, a more I have a Lego Jay style. Garrick that 
came out. Pretty. I don't want to know what you do in your spare time. <sighs> that's that's not even funny. <laughs> but I mean, it's one of those things where you have the the little head, and the little head has pegs on it, and you draw the right. face on it, and then you make a hat that is their hair. I mean, if they can do Lex Luthor, if they can do the Flash's hat, I don't see why they can't do Marge how, how Simpson. Fart fat fart. Fat Homer fart. Simpson. Fat fart. That's the one that I'm, I'm That's most interested in is yeah. how they do Homer Simpson or really Barney mm-hmm. uh, or any of the large characters. Uh, because, the, you know, there's one thing to create characters that look alike, right? right? Like you see with a lot of the minifigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put them on a beard or you put them in a different costume. But when they actually have physical dimensions that are different that set them apart from other characters. Mm-hmm. That's where I think is going to be rather interesting. So unless it's there's Lego like a Lego, a Lego fat suit, yeah, you know, <laughs> that'd be awesome. that's like a piece that sticks out with the gut. Cause mm-hmm. even with the, uh, the Hobbit sets with the dwarves, instead of them being fat, they're just short. Really? You know? So yeah. interesting. I think Lego has a body style that yeah, they, they use yeah. and we will see that standard, you know, mutated dodecahedron or whatever the hell it is. And they will paint Homer's shirt on it, and you know we'll deal with it because that's what will happen. What sets you know, are you fine. looking? Which is what fine. sets are you looking forward to? Uh, well, I would think that, that, that they would. The, I think it would be hard would be to hard. do mo- most tavern because yeah. the same reason why, um, why we haven't seen the uh, the Shaun of the Dead. You know that, right. that set that Cusco uh, had forwarded to Lego, and they're like, well, that's just. Uh, it's a little bit much. too violent yeah. for for us. You'd think that a tavern, a bar, might be the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could well, definitely see the it quickie definitely mark. skews out of their age range for. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, w- I would be very interested to see what the age range for Lego is right now. Right. It's probably the same. It's probably a much wider range of people who play with Lego or use Lego mm-hmm. than people who read comic books. You know, right now we say comic books oh, is like yeah. what like. 18 to 45 i'm betting lego uh, goes all the way down from like 2 to 72 oh yeah i i i think that 18 may be cutting it a little low I'd for say a comic but think, i mean 21, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but who lego actually markets to specifically it's not have you seen a lego page. have you seen a lego catalog lately no i haven't yeah lego lego half the catalog the nerds oh yeah half the really? catalog is stuff that is designed to target kids and then when you hit the back half of the catalog mm-hmm. that's where you get their their Technic and their big massive uh, Star Wars sets yeah. that are like take up a city block kind of stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's a there's like half that catalog is really targeted towards the hardcore Lego person, which I'm going to say is an older adult. That's true. I mean, I played with some pretty big sets when I was little, but I'm obviously advanced for my age. I would. I, I don't know if I'm going to rush right out and buy a Simpsons Lego set. I wish there was a way that we could try out the set mm-hmm. before we uh, before we get to play. Interesting, with it. you would say that, Stephen. Really? I actually, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, I found something uh, today on the internet. Actually, <laughs> it's called Plego. Plego. P L E Y. They make spaghetti sauce. Plego. And what this is is a Netflix service for your Lego sets. What? Yes. You make a Q. First off, there's. What if I just want to make a letter S? No. There's no there's no S's involved in Legos. Okay. Uh, there's three tiers. Okay. A fan, super fan, and mega fan. Fan is fifteen dollars a month. Super mm-hmm. fan is twenty five, and mega fan is three ninety nine. Wow. 40, not, no, th- th- thirty nine. Forty dollars. bucks a month. But here's now, the what deal. is this? What happens so, with this? So, uh, what you do? You make a queue of the Lego sets, and whichever tier you're uh, subscribed to depends how many what the sets you can have. The fifteen is two hundred fifty pieces or below. Twenty five is five hundred oh. pieces or below. Thirty nine is 
5,400 pieces or below. So, so you're still not going to get the really not big gonna get ones. The, not going to get the big ones, but they, they, as a display, they show the Millennium Falcon yeah, for yeah, that yeah. big tier. Yeah. And so then what you do, you make your queue, and then they send you a set. You get to play with it. You build it all you want. And then when you're done with it, you send it back. They give you bags, free shipping, put all the pieces back in the bag, send it at their warehouse. They'll disinfect all the bricks. So you don't have to worry about getting sick on whatever people did with their Legos previously. And then they'll send you their next, your next available set in your queue. And you can keep playing with it. Well, that's, you know, that's not a terrible idea. Unless, like of it. course, you run off with the Lego set. Right. And here's the deal. I mean, they give you an option to say, well, what if I really like this set? I want to keep it. Yeah. But then you get a, you can buy it. You can buy it for retail price, and then they'll just send you your do next they, set in Do queue. they discount off how much you paid that month already or not? Because um, these are play, previously played toys. I expect agreed. a significant discount. I don't believe, from what I've seen, that there is... Hold on. If, I, I can see, Matthew, how can this would really work, because if you're someone that lives in an apartment... Mm-hmm. Uh, or and you don't want to just store these things up, but you like to build them and take pictures and make your little stop motion movies, right. but you don't want to warehouse these things like what I'm doing. I right. think this would be a pretty good service, don't you think? Well, yeah, but it, it should be noted that much as I have too many comics, you have too many Legos. I have too many comics, too. Well, no, you don't nearly have as many comics as I do, but that's not the point. You You have too many Legos, and there is such a thing as too many Legos, so I think this is a great idea up to the point where I know that if I come and they send me something that's really awesome, I'm probably going to end up buying more Legos because they're going to introduce me to more awesome sets. Yeah, Whereas, you know, so if I go to the store and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, there's that Flash Lego set. I can keep walking. Right. Whereas they're mailing it straight to the house and saying, play with me. Woo! Or however, you know, I don't know what they would say. But that's you have right. that. I think you have that moment where you will probably buy more or at least it'll feel like you're buying more you will you will probably have more chances to buy which i think will end up with you purchasing more legos i i think uh well i mean i can go online if i really want to set i can go online to lego right now and they're going to be welcome back Stephen. thank you for uh, putting half our children (laughs) through college this year um but i can go buy my set real easy but sometimes i look at these sets and i'm like uh, is this set going to be cool? Is it not going to be cool? Right. And so I think this is a good way to try out the set and even get some of those hard to find sets. Hopefully down the Hopefully. road, you know, they'll have some of those like main street sets mm-hmm. that uh, are really hard, like the Emporium, which I think is like impossible to get. Uh, and that you could just build it and look at it and send it back and then start all over again. And uh, uh, if you're looking to get rid of your sets, they'll actually allow you to uh, sell you <gasps> their set. You can sell your sets to them. How much? Uh, I don't know. It says a dollar, uh, but Probably. it'll give you credit towards your account. Oh, so not not actual cash in your pocket. But if you if this if this sounds interesting to you and you have some Lego sets you don't play with anymore, sell them to Lego. You'll get a little credit to your account, and then maybe you will have enough to uh, to buy try a, a set. Co- or, or try a couple of months with it. Yeah, I may have to look that up. Maybe we'll have to sign you up, Zach, so that you maybe. can uh, be fun. Test this out for no, us. Don't let him do it. All right, listeners. Lego, you know, Lego uh, is something that we talked about uh, this past weekend. On our VIP live that is chat, true. and you actually built. Yeah, we set, actually built a, a Lego, uh, the new um, Back to the Future DeLorean. Uh, I sat down and built it, and Rob and I uh, talked Lego, and uh, we streamed that out live and had a good two-hour chat with a lot of people uh, that stopped by to say hi. Yeah, um, stop to watch uh, you do Lego. <laughs> stop to watch us play with Lego, and and here's the cool thing: people are like, well, "Where can I find you, this?" By the way. Where can I find this? Well, everyone who was a $10 uh, 
VIP Gold member got to participate in this event. And if they didn't, they can go up to the members.majorspoilers.com website and participate right there. It's uh, it's really pretty cool, I think. Yeah, it was um, a good time. I stopped yeah, by it, for a little bit. Yeah, Zach uh, hung out in the room. A bunch of other people uh, were there and came and go, came and went their own accord. Had a lot of fun. It's up there right now for the uh, people who didn't get to see it. It's uh, all part of Major Spoilers LLC. That's such a good sounding name. Ooh. Sounds oh, like a good name. Comes smooth off the tongue. Something we haven't said in a while. You know, we've moved oh. from a pro- sole proprietorship to an LLC. I like saying it. It sounds good. Yeah. It sounds like we've got some direction in there. We're going in the right place and everything that we've been working for for the last seven years, we're getting toward, to it. And how do we do it? We did it because of you, the listener. Yeah, because of you, we're growing every day. We're doing more than we have before. And those of you that have signed up to be one of our very important people, also known as VIP Zach, did you I know can. that? Uh, I so, learned yeah, that, yeah. that that's what that means one time. <laughs> Not only do you get this podcast, you get all of the other podcasts in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, and they can continue because of your support. Yeah, shows like uh, Top 5 coming up this week, where we'll be talking about Top 5 things that we're handing off to our, to our children. Munchkin Land, Wayne's Comics Podcast, of course, Critical Hit, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and so many, many, many more. If you're one of those that hasn't signed up, here's your chance to get on board right now. Head over to members.majorspoilers.com to sign up as a bronze, a silver, or a gold VIP member. And when you sign up, you not only get the pleasure, the satisfaction of knowing that Matthew gets to continued references ad nauseum. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I do that anyway. I know, but this is why. This is why. If if the money, this way it'll be recorded. If there were no, if there were nobody donating, we had to shut the site down. We wouldn't be able to record your sayings week after week, Matthew. But listen you to know, this, people who I sign up. Sarcasm. No, no, I'm being serious. <laughs> if I was being sarcastic, I'd be like, oh, you know, Matthew. If we <laughs> had to shut down, we wouldn't be able to record uh, these things. So there's I don't a difference. Know, streaky. It's it, it's the like... intonation. It's intonation. It's all right there. But listen, those of you who do sign up or those of you who are thinking about signing up, when you sign up to either the bronze, the silver or the gold level, you get access to exclusive content over at the Major Spoilers uh, VIP site, including original critical hit art by Adriana and also bonus tracks, which is our commentary track series for some of your favorite movies. Uh, People are really digging on what we did uh, in August for Star Wars. I think you're going to like what we did with Raiders of the Lost Ark, which comes out in September. If you haven't contributed, think about it. If you have, thank you. We can't wait for more of you to jump on board. Help us reach our funding goat. Help us reach phase two. And we will go even further. Find out more. Members.Majorspoilers.com. Dot goat. No, no. Dot com. Let's get to some reviews. It's one I've been sitting on here for a while. I needed to get it out. Lady Rawhide number one from Dynamite Entertainment. I have been sitting on Lady Rawhide. That sounds painful. All new adventure of Lady Rawhide. Um, Of course, she's she's basically uh, female Zorro, right? Takes place in Mexico. I'm not quite sure. It's been a long time since I've read me some Lady Rawhide. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure how she decided that a uh, red leather bathing suit was the best way to go. I believe it falls under the theory of let's confuse them. Uh, maybe, because that's <laughs> certainly what happens. Um, this one, though, starts out with Because it's uh, 1899. People have never seen anything above the ankle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one takes place uh, in Mexico. Starts off with a train robbery. 
And at first you're thinking, oh, these are just male bandits. But then suddenly it's revealed that this is an all-female team. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back and you look at the previous panels, you're like, oh, yeah, you can tell that that's a woman when you go back and look. <laughs> uh, because they're not wearing super tight clothes. And so when they're jumping in their action in the action and the way that they're framed, you can't always see the shapes and curves. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's the reveal and you go back and go, oh, yeah, it should have perfect sense right there. Uh, one of them, the, the, the bandits are called the sisters of the white rose. One of them gets injured and uh, is left behind. Uh, lady Rawhide, meanwhile, is fighting, of course, the corruption robbed from the rich give to the poor. And, uh, she stumbles across, uh, this, uh, injured robber. And then of course she gets confronted by the, uh, the army who've been tracking her down as well as tracking Lady Rawhide down. It's kind of a cliffhanger there. I mean, there's some other stuff that goes on, but it's a lot of fighty-fighty. Escape from the rooftops, jumping, fighting, swinging on the pole. She swings on a pole. Does she? She does. And kicks a guy in the face. Okay. Uh, but. Swinging on a pole in a corset. Yeah, it's it's not terrible, though. I mean, it's. it's okay. it's um. So it's not it's not like incredibly. Oh, no, it's not like her back is arched and she's got her finger in her corner of her mouth with her tongue half sticking out while she's spinning around. That's a mighty specific image you have. I wouldn't know why that popped into my mind at all. Just the thought. I was looking at the uh, outline of our funding goat on the website, so. That's what, that's, (laughs) wow. All right. All right. All right, I'm going to go. So, again, not a a terrible story. I'll catch you tomorrow. Not a terrible story. Art is good. Uh, I think it's a good kind of intro to the character that many people haven't seen since, I want to say like 94, maybe. I don't know when her last. Oh, probably closer to 96. I really? believe she popped out of the <laughs> 1993, 94 bad girl craze. Yeah, but when was the and, last Tops issue, I wonder? Uh, Tops hasn't had the Zorro stuff since like 97 or 96. Okay, so it's probably right around there, 96, 97, somewhere in the, in the uh, mid to late 90s. I could be crap, too. I Time tends to just blur together. I mean, 25 years, and I still don't know when you're Keeps being psychotic. Tripping, tripping, tripping into the future. Bottom line for me, Lady Rawhide number one, three out of five slices of the meatloaf. I will pick up issue number two, and I will check it out and see if it still kind of holds or if it really goes into silly territory. But uh, worth checking out. Lady Rawhide number one out ooh, last week. Yes, last week. From Dynamite Entertainment. She's rolling. Rolling. Zach, uh, when did your book come out? This week or last week? My book came out last week. Oh, okay. So what do you got? I have got Trillium number one by Ah. Jeff Lemire. Nice. It is a uh, Vertigo book. All done by, well, not all done, written and uh, art by Jeff Lemire, who you might know from uh, Essex County, Animal Man. Uh, Sweet Tooth. Uh, Sweet Tooth, Underwater Welder. And so if you are familiar with um, the Sweet Tooth and the Underwater Welder, you're very familiar with his art, and that is what you have in this book. Awesome. Which I actually like. It's nice uh, painted stuff. It's like one of the only painting art that I like, and it's very enjoyable here, and it fits. So what we have here in Trillium is a sci-fi future book. Well, that's at least for the first half of the book. See, Trillium number one is actually two issues in one book. What? Yes. It's Trillium number one 
And Trillium number 1.2, I believe it is listed at inside the book. Uh, yeah. So, we start out in Trillium with all of humanity is mostly gone. There's Aww. there's a couple thousand humans left. No. Mainly due to this one uh, plague-like virus that is sweeping, science. Through, is sweeping through the universe science. and taking out all human colonies across the stars. And we are on our last-ditch effort on this planet, and we have a scientist trying to communicate with the native people of the planet to find this flower they have that they believe could help stop this virus from infecting more humans and save humanity as we know it. Well, the scientist is able to make contact with these uh, natives for the first time, and she ends up going into a building that looks much like an Aztec temple. Ah. As she comes out, she is on Earth, and she sees a human. End of chapter one of Trillium. Go ah. in. New cover. Complete new cover. It's a flip image uh, the color you're going to see on the outside of your Trillium number one. Yeah. And then we go in to the human we saw story leading up to the point where at the end of this part, he sees crazy space lady walk out of this Aztec temple. Oh, cool. It's very cool. And I, I finished the issue. I was like, oh, that was really cool with the whole story flip and everything. I went out into my uh, large, you can see an overview of the issue in comiXology mm-hmm. and go figure the paneling in the first half is a mirror. The paneling in the second half. Ah, cool. Yes. Wonderful storytelling elements throughout Trillium. It's a book that will disturb you, disturb you at points when uh, our human character is experiencing flashbacks to the war he fought in, which I believe is World War Two. World War One. World War One. is it? It says that the year is 1921 and renowned yep. English explorer William Pike leads a team to the jungles of Peru. So I would imagine oh, yeah. that would be World War One. Yeah, World War One. And so his his deal is trying to find uh, these treasures that a archaeologist uh, well, not uh, treasures, he's trying to find this temple of people, but he uh, is displaying, he discusses all the treasures he found at a showing, which leads him on this quest to this temple in which we find our previous hero. It was a wonderful issue I'm really excited to see where it's going. It's not an ongoing series, which I think is an, is nice. It's only eight issues, uh, so you know you're going to get a, a a completed story by the end of it, which uh, I like most. Of, uh, not most of the time. Sometimes it's nice to have a, a fully rounded out story. You don't have to continue to follow on for years on end. I'm I'm excited for Trillium to see where it goes and see how um, I mean, just really what happens because. While you have an idea of what both characters are looking to do, how they're going to help each other uh, remains to be seen. And I will definitely be picking it up from here. I'm going to give Trillium four slices of the good old Major Spoilers meatloaf. Excellent. You said this was a limited series or is it on? Yeah, eight. All right, eight cool. issues. Cool, cool, cool. All right, Matthew, you have a book that's coming from out this week. And after I read what the solicitation was, I want to know more about The Shadow Green Hornet Dark Knights number 2. Hey Dark Knights. Hey, isn't there a Daredevil series going on right now called Dark Knights? Yes, but there's a reason I, why. Isn't it's there also Dark a Knights. isn't there also a Batman called The Dark Knight? No. There was never ah, a Batman called The Dark Knight. Check it out. This book is called The Shadow Green Hornet Dark Knights and it's yes. written by Michael Uslan. 
Uh huh. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, therein hangs a tale. And, and For those you know, of you, you know who why don't I think know, that's cool, right? Michael Uslan is the guy. Michael who, Uslan uh, actually owns the movie rights to Batman. Batman he bought yeah, them yeah. when he was like 16 because he was like, I sure do love me some Batman. Seriously? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Read, the, yeah, read we, the book. Read the book called The Man Who Loved Batman. This dude's making bank. Anyway, I totally missed the first issue of this series and did not realize that it existed. And I pop it up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this. And of course, I have the preview copy from the publisher, Dynamite Entertainment. And I look at the cover and I'm like, hey, hey, that's Peter Cushing as the shadow. And then the guy on the left kind of looks like Jack from The Young and the Restless. So I'm like, ooh, stunt casting in the art. I love that. (laughs) And then you saw that it was Alex Ross who did the cover? Uh, well, the cover actually is probably the best part of the book. There's this oh, really, really cool shot. Yeah. yeah, there's a shot of the Black Beauty. And, of course, you got your Hornet and your Cato. And flying above it is the Shadow's autogyro. Right. And he's kind of hanging down, and he is himself in shadow. The Shadow, of course, is Lamont Cranston. Actually, he's not Lamont Cranston. He stole the identity of Lamont Cranston. But in any case, he has his network of agents, and he's all like, the weed of crime beers bitter feud, or something like that. Whereas Britt Reed, the publisher of Century City's Daily Sentinel, actually pretends to be a super criminal, the Green Hornet, to fight injustice and take down big crime from the inside. This is a natural progression, a natural story, and a story that should work really well, set in 1939. The problem that I have with it is Uslan may be a a visionary, not so much with the naturalistic dialogue. And for me, dialogue is a big part of the story. This, the first page, the tarp is off. My fliver is ready for flight. I thought it's called an autogyro. That is what the boss calls it since he bought the patent from Mr. Tesla here. And then we get a, you know, a couple of panels from Nikola Tesla explaining, I am Nikola Tesla, and I am well and truly misunderstood in my time. Well, he's true. Well, yes, but it's very <laughs> awkward. And it's, a, well, it's yeah, an the example way you're reading of, it. <laughs> no, it's an example of the story putting too much effort it, into the expectation. And right. I'm not necessarily you know, trying to be a jerk about this, it really is expository dialogue to the detriment of the story. And of course, we find that uh, Cranston and Britt Reed are meeting because their uh, female majordomos, Margot and uh, Lenore, were in the same sorority in high school or in college. Yes. And they actually make a reference, and it's a very thinly veiled reference to Margot and Lenore having had a thing and I, I thought for a moment, well, that's awkward. Am I reading too much into this? Are they implying that Margot and Lenore are lesbians? And I'm like, I, I don't know, because immediately we cut to the, the shadow in action and the shadow explaining to Shrevy what's going on. And it doesn't feel like shadow dialogue. It doesn't, you know, to me, shadow dialogue is that Orson Welles voice. <laughs> And then, of course, we get to see the Green Hornet explaining how uh, Mr. Tucker helped him modify the Black Beauty to make it a more powerful car. And yet no one bought Preston's Tucker Tiger, the swift armored vehicle that could have revolutionized conventional ground warfare. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of real history in this book. 
And whenever it comes up, the thumbprint of the writer going, look how clever we're being, undermines it for me. And I, you know, I, I guess it's a question of awkwardness. There's a lot here. There's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, Shiwan Khan, the Shadow's mortal enemy, wants to team up with the Green Hornet, who he believes to be likewise nefarious, and the two of them together take down the Shadow. There's a reference to the first issue of Detective Comics and how the story is very clearly inspired <coughs> from um, a shadow pulp, which, again, this is all real historical stuff from our universe. But there's so much stuffed into this book. And there's so little dialogue that feels like the character has their own identity. The Green Hornet at one point is like, cut the crap. And again, doesn't sound really appropriate for 1939, although I'm sure, you know, I can't say for sure that cut the crap wasn't something they said in 1939, but it doesn't feel like Green Hornet. It doesn't feel necessarily like a period piece. It feels like the Silmarillion. There's a lot of wonderful thinking, a lot of wonderful putting together and a lot of concepts kind of shoved in. And it never quite gels for me as a story. Artistically speaking, Stephen talks about Dynamite occasionally having a, a style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that here. Um, so this is really somewhere kind of a halfway point between Francesco Francavia and somebody who's trying really hard to be, I don't know, maybe a Matt Wagner type. The art's not bad. The shadow especially looks particularly sinister. But there are moments where no matter how sinister he looks, his his dialogue is like, wow, this is like Adam Sandler playing the shadow. And that's probably mean. I shouldn't be mean. Um, the, Does he the say, booga, booga, booga. <laughs> <laughs> You can do it, shadow. <laughs> Shrevy is played by Rob Schneider. You see. And uh, Kevin James actually plays Margot Lane. But if you <laughs> if you read the the back pages, Michael Uslan has gone and actually given us footnotes to the historical bits of information that he gave us during the story. Yeah, which is particularly helpful. What with the footnotes being almost word for word what they said uh, in really? the story. Oh, that's yeah, not so good. Not really so good. So I mean, a lot of good concept artistically. I think if I were just going to say art, yeah, the art's okay, but there's there's an awkwardness and kind of a ham fistedness to the dialogue that just doesn't work for me. Two slices of meatloaf. Yeah, it's too based funny. based on looking good. Shadow, Green Hornet, The Dark Knight. <laughs> I'm still gonna go pick it up. Oh, I'm sure, and I'll probably read it. I think it's a four issue limited, mm -hmm. or maybe a six issue limited. But at four dollars a pop, you know, it's one of those things where. Can I spend $4 on something that has a gorgeous cover, kind of good insides, but dialogue that just makes me cringe? And I, I mean, it's a, it's a toss up. We are right on the edge of, is this good enough for four bucks? Right. And right now I'm leaning towards if next issue gives me that same sort of, wow, this feels like Huggy Bear and the Turkey. I don't know if you've ever seen Huggy Bear and the Turkey. Um, if it gets to that point, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to finish the series. Yeah, well, okay. I'll go check it out and see if I uh, come to any other conclusions. But thank you for that, Matthew. What out up? this week from uh, Dynamite Entertainment. And listeners, Dynamite. if you want to find out some more news, we've got a 
ton of it. If you're looking um, for sneak peeks, oh boy, we've got you covered. If you're looking for the latest uh, gossip, well, we don't really do gossip until it's been confirmed. Or that it looks like it will be confirmed within uh, 20 minutes. But if you catch Zach and I on the Twitter, we'll talk behind people's back once in a while. If you're looking for people to talk behind your back, look no further than Majorspoilers.com. We've got it all (laughs) over there. Uh, Boy, somebody was asking the other day, well, how many people do you have come through your site in a month? I was like, well, you know, I haven't looked that up in a while. Holy cow! (laughs) A lot of people come through the site. A lot. Fifteen. Yes. Fifteen people. Fifteen people. We're, of all the sites on the internet, we are one. We are one of them. Exactly. Uh, listeners, if you are looking to uh, buy some things, maybe you're, you're looking not, to buy your uh, Labor Day weekend uh, gift exchange. Oh, yeah. I don't talk right? about Labor Day yet. It's only on do people Labor do that Day. on Labor Day? Zach. What? Oh, I guess you did grow up in Quinter, so I guess yeah. you don't know about all these traditions. Yeah. Yeah, the Labor Day holiday gift uh, giving. Never heard of that. I've honestly never heard of that. Then you've got your mid-October right. uh, gift giving. The yeah, Ides of October. Like no, 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 no. That's when you exchange yeah. uh, bits for each other's costumes. Right. Oh. Right? You get, yeah. you, get, you get, like, I got Steven a mask. Yeah, and I to, got to uh, finish Matthew up. A, a unitard. <laughs> exactly. Because I was going as the Silver Age Flash, and he was going as, uh, I believe, the Black Canary. Yeah, exactly. Fishnets in an extra, extra large, by the way, are a great gift. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matthew's <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking to buy all of these, if you're looking to buy all these things, uh, what you need to do is head over to Majorspoilers.com. Click on that Amazon banner. That'll yep. take you over to Amazon.com where you can purchase things that you probably didn't even realize you could find at Amazon.com. So many things. So many so. things. An infinite list of things that you can buy through Amazon.com. Certainly when you infinite. make your purchase through the mem- uh, through the uh, Major Spoilers website to Amazon.com and you make your purchase just like you do with every other purchase you do, you get it at the same time that you uh, say that you want it delivered. You're going to get it at the same price that it says it's advertised mm-hmm. for. A little bit comes our way, helps us inflate our super capes so that we can keep this site <laughs> running. Yeah. Puts a little wind in our that's super how, capes. That's how Superman flies, actually. Yeah, through his, the, his, his his PayPal donation button. <laughs> PayPal donation button. All right. Zachary yes. Godzilla Sullivan Wolf. What did I tell you about talking about comic books? Don't. I mean, exactly. Unless you're on the show. You know what they got on, on Amazon, Stephen? What do they have on Amazon? They got Allen wrenches, gerbil feeders, toilet seats, electric heaters, trash compactors, juice extractors, shower rods and water heaters, walkie-talkies, copper wires, safety goggles, radial tires, bee pellets, rubber mallets, fans and dehumidifiers, picture hangers, paper cutters, waffle irons, window shutters, paint removers, window louvers, masking tape, and plastic gutters. You can actually get car tires from Amazon and Prime yeah. shipping. Air compressors, brass connectors, wrecking chisels, smoke detectors, tire gauges, hamster cages, thermostats and bug deflectors, trailer hitch demagnetizers, automatic circumcisers. They got it all. And you can hit it through the Amazon link on Majorspoilers.com. <laughs> Which means it's time. They actually do have a circumcision trainer. I looked it up. <laughs> you can get an infant circumcision trainer. For the millions for one hundred eighty five ninety five, or one for eighty six. Zach Wolf, it's time. Uh, just in just in case any of you guys need some training. For the major spoilers <laughs> or girls, Moil of the week, 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 week. Uh, oh, this is our. Uh, this is another one sent in oh, by uh, Major Spoiler Right <laughs> Silver Gray. <laughs> Wants to know. Wants to know that if uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy 
Bill, and Neil Bill, deGrasse Bill. Tyson got in a fight. Yes. Who <laughs> would win, Zach? The American the internet. viewing public. <laughs> uh, wow. So I did a lot of thinking about this because I have I have a history with Bill Nye, and by that I mean I was in grade school when his show thing was on, and so we watched the Bill Nye, the Science Guy, Bill, 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 and so I have a deep connection with my childhood. And so I feel like a lot of children have a deep connection with Bill Nye. And those people have grown up. And so Bill Nye has an army behind him. But then I realize Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson ain't no schlum. Right. He's got a big following. He's got a podcast. He's, right. He ain't he's no a what? Schlum. He's a schlum. Sh- he ain't schlub? no schlum. He ain't no schlum. <laughs> schlub? No. He ain't no schlum. Schlum? What is a schlum? Schlum dog millionaire. What's a ute? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, he's Zach got some followers. Win. So I had to negate followers. Okay. And okay. by, I mean, these I'm just guys. Saying who, if these two met in a dark alley. Oh, no. And and, I'm, I'm getting and, there. And they started to have a discussion over uh, alternate universes. I'm, and I'm talking Battle Royale. Who would win in that in that fight when it got heated and one of them busted out a... I mean, fisticuffs. Fisticuffs. Lead pipe and the other one busted out his uh, switchblade. Fisticuffs. Master I don't know. Stronger. But you have to you have to consider all the other the outside <laughs> things first. Okay. I see. Uh, d- dress, dress. Bill Nye's rocking the bow tie. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson, an amazing tie collection. One that probably cannot be touched by any human being. It's amazing. Okay. So, I I was I was at a loss. But then before You're I came over, I saw an article of Neil deGrasse Tyson on a New York City subway on his laptop working. That is a strong man. He's on an Apple laptop in a city subway. He's going to bust a fool if anyone tries to cap that. I'm taking Tyson. Tyson in, in three rounds. Okay. Mike Tyson. Matthew, <laughs> who did you pick? <laughs> After he bit well, Bill Nye's ear. And in this case, you really have to break down the expectation that relative isotopic mass, which is not the same thing as your atomic mass, has the same numerical value as the atomic mass when expressed in unified atomic mass units. But the difference would be the relative isotopic mass is a pure factor with no units. So the loss of units indicates a scale ratio with respect to the carbon-12 standard, which, of course, you both realize. The relative isotopic mass is the relative mass of a given isotype and a single nucleotide scaled by the mass of It's just of a simple 12, question, Matthew. Who would win in a Which on this is set to Neil deGrasse Tyson or Bill Nye the so Science Guy. when you break it down, you have to look at the atomic factor – and really, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson has the reach. Oh. And he's got, I mean, he's he's much, much more sturdy a man than Bill Nye. Bill Nye has what we like to call the Frank Gorshin kind of fighting style. The, uh, you know, I'd actually like to see him running around in Frank Gorshin's old Riddler costume now that I think about it. But when you think about mass defects in your atomic mass or the conversion factor vis-a-vis atomic mass units and grams, I think that... If Neil deGrasse Tyson were to fight with uh, Bob the Builder, I mean Bill Nye, the obvious winner would be Beekman. <laughs> I miss Beekman. Who would then come in and swoop, swoop in and I, take over. I honestly, I'm going to have to uh, disagree there on the uh, reach. I, I don't think uh, Dr. Tyson has the reach. Uh, he's a little bit stockier. I can see him going in and getting up close and just hammering away hmm. on somebody. 
But what the problem is, Bill Nye is super like skeleton man, right? He's right. he's whitey. Obviously. <laughs> he he's whitey. Is, he is a definite skeleton man. Uh-huh. And uh, I think he's got the longer reach. And so as Tyson would come in to try to get in close, Bill Nye is out there popping him, popping him, popping him, popping him right. from a distance. And uh-huh. because he's so thin, uh, he can, you know, jump around. He can get up and get up and jump around all now, the we, time. We are taking into account that both men are closer to 60 than 40, right? Sure. I'd like to point okay. out. Bill Nye is pretty crazy uh, uh, with... Uh, uh, official weigh-in height, Bill Nye 6'1". Neil deGrasse Tyson 6'2". Okay. So, Neil deGrasse Tyson you. is bigger. It's pretty close. Pretty reach. Close. Yeah. Bill Nye with the reach. Don't confuse him with facts, Zach. He's telling us. And then, us of course, <laughs> uh, even if, even if uh, Dr. Tyson got in close... Mm-hmm. Um, he'd probably cut himself on Bill Nye's bones, right? <laughs> which yeah, are right. right there. So I went with That's Bill Nye. Clearly, clearly I went with it. Bill Nye, of the course, science guy. Tyson obviously yeah. goes back into the corner and has his trainer cut him, right? right. He can't and see Tyson him. was never a cast member of Almost Live, which you know that right there. How did uh, how did the rest of the major spoilers nation vote, Matthew? <laughs> I'm seeing 142 votes, 65 percent leaning towards Neil deGrasse Tyson, 35 percent saying Bill Nye. Most importantly, um, people agreeing with someone other than Stephen. So I think that is a major lesson to learn here: is it agree? No, I'm glad that people don't agree with me. Because then that means the Vegas odds shoot through the roof, right? Right. right? <laughs> and I it's walk away, man. and I just go over to Neil deGrasse and say, "Hey, man, do the math. I know you're kind of into that kind of thing. Take a dive in the third, yeah, and we will walk uh, away, but millionaires." <laughs> Faithful spoilerite Cap Taron, first of all, sneezes in the middle of my show, and then says, uh, "I must admit, Bill Nye's bow tie is a formidable." Accessory, that's from the French. Yes. There is no stopping Neil deGrasse Tyson's epic mustache. And I think that so makes... it's a bow tie you know, versus a mustache. Anyway. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> People Will are underestimating ever... the tie collection of Tyson. Underestimating it. It's clearly a, 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 a giant fight swing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why no one's brought this up besides me. I, I'm just getting death I, stares. All right. Uh, <laughs> listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote in the poll of the week. Go ahead. Vote for uh, Dr. Tyson, because we yeah. know that uh, Dr. Nye, I, I just want those odds to go like to a million to one. <laughs> right, right. And all I have to do is put down like a $1,000 and I can walk away owning Vegas. So go ahead, people. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. First, that's not <laughs> how odds work. Yeah, it does. Second. And most importantly, there are no Vegas odds. On oh, there are Vegas, Vegas odds on everything. Okay, no, wrong. There are, and if the they were going to get in a fight, I guarantee rule. you there would be Vegas odds on these the two. The first rule of Atomic Weight Fight Club is you do not talk about Atomic Weight Fight Club. And the second rule of Atomic Weight Fight Club is Planck's constant states that you may or may not even know about Atomic Weight Fight Club. And the third rule is, Sarah, get out of my living room and stop sneezing. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Quiet, and I wanted to talk to you guys real quick about Gen Con. Gen Con is a big gaming convention in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. It's actually its 11th year in Indiana. Um, It's been around for 40 years or so, starting up in Wisconsin and eventually making its way down here. This is also the 11th year I've attended it. Uh, Last year, it had more than 41,000 unique uh, uh, con goers, and it really is 
a fantastic place to see all kinds of gaming and pop culture things. Uh, a few of the highlights that I really like to spend my time on are the exhibit hall. It's, it's large. I'm sure it's not anywhere near the size of San Diego Comic-Con, but still there's plenty of stuff going on. Lots of gaming uh, companies as well as uh, video games and cards and um, lots of different uh, companies looking to show off what they've got and uh, pique your interest in what's coming. Uh, last year, I had the the fortune to buy uh, Fortune and Glory, Munchkin, and Penny Arcade uh, deck building game, as well as a few other things. It also gave me the chance to, to play test a bunch of stuff and uh, demo a bunch of games that, that were a lot of fun. Uh, they also have a group come down from uh, Michigan somewhere and put up their uh, big pods where they we let you get in and play Mech Warrior. Um, closes up. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, you get to play against everybody else that's right there. And then once you're done, you get to see your scores and how you did. Like I said, it's a lot of gaming. So there's a lot of demos going on, a lot of board gaming, uh, card games, role-playing games. Uh, one of the big, two big things that, that go on every year is uh, Mayfair sets up a huge area where they demo everything and they have a lot of giveaways and a lot of stuff you can do to get free stuff from them. And then also they do a thing called True Dungeon. It's, it's your classic Dungeon and Dragon experience, except you are walking through the dungeon they've created in one of the ballrooms. Um, I'm going to write a little article and uh, hopefully Stephen will put it up for me and uh, let you guys know a little bit more about that. But that's what's coming up this next week. Uh, it actually starts on the 15th of August and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'll probably come back and talk to you guys again about it next week. Uh, we will have all kinds of interviews with um, a lot of the game creators that, that have been available uh, up on our podcast, uh, Nerds Domain uh, podcast on iTunes. And we will I will talk to you guys uh, next week. Bye. Uh, hey, Major Spoilers, guys. This is Noah from Ashland. I really, really dig your guys' podcast. Like, I've, I started off listening to Critical Hit. Like, I listened to all 100 episodes, or not, like, the first 100 episodes in the space of, like, a week. Uh, and then I just checked out the major spoilers, um, actual major spoilers podcast. And it is really, really cool. Um, I was just have, I just have a question. I was wondering, um, like if there was, I've wanted to be, wanted to get into comic books for a while and, but it's just, there's so much, so much stuff to just flip through. I have no idea where to start. So I was wondering, like, if there was a specific, like, story arc or set of comics from, like, what's from, like, DC or Marvel, just to, like, start off on without having to get too deeply involved with it just to start off with, like, what comics you guys would recommend. Uh, love the podcast. Keep on keeping on. Thanks, guys. Good question this week and a good comment about Jin Khan. Poor Zach is sad over there in the corner because he's not going this week. <laughs> Is there a set of uh, a set of comics mm -hmm. that is good to start with, or where should someone who doesn't know anything about comics start? It's so hard to answer that question when when we get those. Yeah, because it depends on what you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. My advice in comics has always been: go get yourself some damn comics. Go to Free Comic Book Day, May fourth. Yeah, even Free Comic Book Day. I mean, you could go. I've got a a, a seventy five cent bin. At, at Gatekeeper Hobbies, Huntoon and Gage Topeka, you can buy some comics. Do you know how I got into comics, Stephen? 
I'm sure you're going to tell us. I'm about to tell you, but thanks for pausing and making it all awkward. <laughs> when I was uh, about 11 years old, my Uncle Bob, remember, he told oh, me yeah, I was yeah. I remember comics. this one. He said it was your tool for comics. And then my job at the time involved a lot of walking, which is kind Paper of boy. ironic. That's right. Yeah. And what I would do is I would go by the Driscoll's. local S&S drugstore. Oh, S&S. And I would, I would grab what they had. And the first comic book I think I ever bought at that S&S drugstore, one of the first was the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. And it told me about hundreds and hundreds of stories that I hadn't read. And, you know, being somebody who read and read and read and read and read and read and read. And then when I was done reading, sometimes I would read. I was like, I should totally find these books. And 35 years later, I have. But <laughs> more importantly, if you want to read comics, you probably have something that you think you're interested in, whether that be Green Lantern, whether that be Wonder Woman, whether that be, you know, the adventures of a superhero girl, whatever it is you're looking at. It doesn't even have to be a superhero title. If you've heard about The Walking Dead, if you've heard about, I don't know, the, the Green Hornet. Go and find some and read them because the only way that you're going to find out if you like comics is by reading some comics. If you're worried about, will I have enough to entertain me? You can get collections. If you're worried about, is it too expensive? You can buy the cheap books. You can go to Comixology and you can read digital copies without having to worry about storage. You know, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of ways to buy comics, but primarily come to Gatekeeper Hobbies. And well, buy the books that I, I think have. that's I think that's what makes it such a hard thing is because we don't know what your likes and dislikes are. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, I think the digital ninety nine cent sale that they have on Comicsology is a great way to explore. Yeah. But uh, quite honestly, maybe listen to the Major Spoilers podcast, especially the trade paperback section, because yeah. that's yeah. kind of why we do the trades is to get other people interested in these story arcs and storylines, mm -hmm. and we kind of fill you in what's going on. And if that sounds like it's something that's cool to read. Go check it out. Um, yeah. Read the reviews are, on Majorspoilers.com. There yeah. are a dozen and a half reviews every week sometimes. Um, again, it's, and it's something where expose yourself to comics. Yes, but don't expose not, yourself not to comics. No. Yes. Zach. Don't Learn expose yourself <sighs> with comics. I got kicked Zach. out of three stores. <laughs> um, There's only two stores in town. I, w I traveled. Uh, the, the other thing that you might do is if you're looking at the trades and you want to look at the trades that we've been talking about, go to your local library. Mm -hmm. They may have those trades and then you, you can, can check it out. On it's the Amazon cost you anything. Link at majorspoilers.com. Sure you, you can buy them directly through there. Yep. If you know, we've talked about something that, you know, that blows up your dress to use the Marilyn Monroe term. Boom. Hit that sucker. If, uh, if you are looking for some other things to check out, check out Munchkin Legends. We play that this week on, um. Uh, Munchkin Land. Yeah. Munchkin Legends is a new game from Steve Jackson Games based on the Munchkin series, uh, but it's only available at Target Store, so it's not something you can just pop online and buy. But uh, do check it out. A lot of fun. Uh, you might be surprised at who wins and how that person's wins. <gasps> how that person wins. We recorded it at Nerdtacular 2013. Thanks for everybody who's called in uh, this week. Some good comments, a good question. If you want to be part of the Major Spoilers podcast... All you need to do is call the Major Spoilers hotline number, and Matthew, that number is... 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers! Seriously, go to Gatekeeper Hobbies. We need the money. Hotline! <laughs> we don't really need the money. Well, we do, but we don't. I, I don't want to be that guy. You know, buy comics where you buy your comics. But if you can, buy them from me. Uh, listeners, 
for a long time, uh, well, way, way back a long time ago, I received an image from somebody that says, Hey, I really like your podcast. Uh, here's a, here's a piece of art that I did. And I was really blown away by this. I was like, Hey, this is really cool, man. And then, uh, probably a month or two later, here comes another piece of original art. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And I was showing it to Rodrigo and Rodrigo was like, Oh, this is really neat. And then, uh, about a week later he comes up and says, uh, dude, you know who this guy is? That's, uh, that's doing this art. And I was like, no, who he goes, he's a guy who designs characters on Ben 10. And at the time, my son was uh, all crazy about Ben 10, still is. But uh, over the last couple of years, uh, we have uh, had a good relationship with Mr. Thomas Perkins. And I thought, it's been <laughs> four or five years. How come he hasn't been on the show? So we're rectifying that tonight. Thomas Perkins, yeah. welcome to the show. How come? How come you haven't oh, been on the show? very kind of you guys. How come you haven't been on the show, Thomas Perkins? <laughs> I'm a horrible slacker, clearly. <laughs> a horrible slacker. You well, are working. <laughs> one more reason to get on the show. Here are some of the shows that, that, that you may be aware of, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, shows that you have worked on, Thomas, uh, includes Ben 10, as I mentioned, um, Green Lantern, the animated series, and then uh, right now, Beware the Batman, which is uh, running on on uh, one of those networks out there. Indeed, that's so. C-W-B-M-D. <laughs> you, but you've worked on it. First of all, okay, so let's go way back. Let's start at the beginning. I want to know, how does Thomas Perkins get into art? What made you decide to go in that direction? Well, I, I was, um, I'm, I'm the third, um, third generation professional artist in my family. My, uh, my mom, when I was growing up, was uh, always uh, into 3D arts, like jewelry, sculpting, things like that. And her father before her was um, an illustrator for magazine covers and things like that and back in the 40s and the 50s and things. So so it, it's always been something in the family. And uh, basically, I, I sort of, being an early childhood comic book dork, found that uh, I was drawn to the visual arts through that. So that sort of informed what I, I kind of was fixated on from an early age. So then as you started to develop your craft, did you have comic books in mind or did you have uh, like magazine illustrations or what did you have in mind as, as the end goal when you started taking this on uh, well, more I, seriously? I, I always was interested in comics as well as things like animation. I wasn't really sure what I was I wanted to do. Um, Cause I always sort of figured that, uh, I, honestly, for a long time, I thought animation was farmed out. I didn't actually think there was a career to be had. Oh, right, right. So I thought about comics, but um, comics are kind of a daunting medium, honestly. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on doing some comic book work now, actually. Oh, cool. But as, as, as a young person, I was always sort of, uh, wow, how did I wrap my head around creating all these vast worlds every month? So, so there's that. But... um. So I got, and then fortunately when I got out of college, I had some friends who were in animation, um, or had friends tangentially who were in animation, and they sort of pointed the direction towards that career, which then I fell in with and have been doing pretty much ever since. So when you say getting into animation, are, are you doing, are you doing the animating yourself? Are you creating uh, character designs? What What is your... What is your I, role on a lot of these shows? Like, let's start with, what was the first TV series that you got? Do you remember? Well, my first uh, series was Extreme Ghostbusters for uh, Sony Pictures back in, that's got to be 1997. Wow. wow. And I did that. Um, 
I started as a prop designer, uh, doing designs like cars and trash and anything somebody's going to move around that doesn't have a soul in it pretty much was my gig. Oh, cool. And then uh, part of the way through that, the character design department got way overloaded and they needed some extra help. And they gave me a shot at doing some stuff for them. And I've pretty much been doing that ever since. Just character designs. Yeah. So are you, I are, wish I could say I knew how to animate. However, that is a a a, a whole uh, arena of discipline I've yet to embark on. So, so when you start working on uh, Cartoon Network's uh, Ben Ten, and you're coming up with these characters, do they come to you and say, "Hey, uh, this guy is a kind of a wolf guy with no eyes"? Uh, and this guy has four arms, or do you just go crazy and come up with this stuff yourself? Well, I, it, it, it's a mixture of things. Um, now, the original designs were designed for the first season, were premier, primarily done by Dave Johnson of comic book fame. Mm-hmm. And, um, but from there, I started working with them on the second season. And my experience on Ben 10 would be, by and large, let's say, okay, well... Um, we need an alien who does whatever. Like um, with Upchuck, for instance, to be a guy who eats things and spits out bombs. Oh, okay. So, so then I, I would go and do numerous iterations. Go well, if the guy who's eating things and spitting out bombs or shooting lasers or whatever, these are some configurations you could do. Um, and then from there, we put it in front of an executive or two, and they look at it and they kind of go, "Well, I kind of like this." That's crap. This and that. <laughs> Mix these two things together. Whatever. And then we take so it from it's there. Like working for um, <laughs> huh? It's like working for Steven. That's crap. Whatever. Well, you know, it, 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 it keeps you on your toes. Makes you work harder. Because you don't want to have them go, well, you know, it's all you have. This is horrible. So you really, you really got to step up your game and go, well, look at all this and, and know how to sell it. Um, well, I mean, it, it, depending on which project you're on, it can, it can definitely vary. Well, that's where that's, I guess, the question, because I know you and I have talked before when we were talking about the cost of an animated show. Um, I think uh-huh. we were talking some must have been back when um, Symbionic Titan was was canceled. Um, uh-huh. But how much of your character design when you go in to show it off? Are they looking at, oh, this is a real cool design as opposed to we can make toys off of this? Right. Well, I mean, I think it depends on, on any given production. It has a different level of that. Um uh, because, for instance, with Ben 10, even though Bondi is a toy company and they were a big sponsor for Ben 10, mm-hmm. uh, in my experience anyway, when I was on, on Ben 10, they never came to us and said, you know, I always thought that Heat Blast needed a truck. Oh, so yeah, we yeah. made that happen. So basically, it would be, in my, in, during my tenure, it was pretty much um, make something cool, draw, this, you know, draw the characters how you think they're best, do this and that. And Bondi would then go, you know, we'll just make some cool stuff based on the show, which was it's pretty liberating because you do have other projects you might get into where suddenly they're like, yeah, um, this guy, he's a hero who he's all about banana peels, and you have to somehow make this cool. I want I wanted to feel like Wolverine, <laughs> but with banana peels, and you're like, well, I, I don't know what to. Okay, all right, we'll do it. And then you have a whole challenge of how you can work banana peels into a guy as badass as Wolverine. So, um, yeah, it, so I mean, it, it can definitely depend um, on any given production because some of them are more toy related, right. some of them are less. Like, say, if you're working on Max Steel, <clears throat> Max Steel show would be based on something that's distinctly a toy line first, right? And then 
whatever. So, well, so I'm I'm curious though, as a character designer, do you have a, a nine to five job? I mean, do you go into the studio or or wherever every day of the week and and just design characters, or is this more of a here's the upcoming ten shows over the next five weeks design us some characters? It can be both. It's okay. Magical. Um, currently, um, and, and for a good bit of my, my stint, I do have an in-house gig where, um, I currently am working at, at a place doing, um, a primetime show, which will be airing in, in January for like a primetime comedy thing. And I'm there pretty much, you're basically nine to five. Um, but then after that, I go home, feed the kids, put the kids to bed, do this and that, do the other thing. And then once everybody's asleep, I might go back to my office, and then I have two or three other clients I might be working for at any given time. Okay. And they might be developing a show, or they need freelance. Like, I still do freelance for lots of other shows that um, I used to work on. Like, I used to do stuff for Ben 10 in-house, and now they have whole other teams and whatever. And I've successfully done large amounts of freelance for them, even though I'm not in-house anymore. So I did some freelance for Ben 10 last week. So, um... So that that's something that happens a lot. You know, I might have um, like I I would uh, there's a few years ago where I had a pretty big spate of doing freelance design for props for live action stuff like Heroes or Without a Trace or CSI or whatever like that. And that was fun stuff too. But that's stuff you do after wait, hours and everyone's in bed. Wait a minute, let's go back to that. So you're designing props as well? Yeah. Um, for instance, uh, my first live action gigs were for um, Without a Trace. And there was an episode, for instance, where um, a buddy of mine said, oh, they need a guy to do some sketchbook stuff. And I'm like, okay. So I met with their props director, and he says, okay, well, here's the, the gig. There's a guy in the story who's a, a stalker, and he's obsessed with a girl, and he needs a sketchbook showing that he's obsessed with this girl. And Oh, when he okay. kidnaps her and they, they come and find her, they have to find the sketchbook. So <clears throat> I went, I met with the actress, um, I met with the prop supervisor, we shot some photographs and this and that, and then they gave me a blank sketchbook and said, fill it. And I went home, and I tried to figure out how the best way I could seem really obsessed, probably with heavy sexual overtones from primetime television, right? which is it's weird and vaguely creepy. And I didn't realize, I mean, I'm like, going, yeah, okay, it's an exercise to do this. But then when you see with all the jump cuts and music and everything, you just, wow, that is really creepy. <laughs> so, um, Zach, so, um, so there's stuff like that. Zach, you had a question? Yeah, so how, Thomas, how many hours do you put in on average between your 9 to 5 and then all your freelance? Um, I'd say my day job is probably about 9 hours a day. And then... I put in probably another five or six hours a night. So a a fairly large chunk of the day. Sure. (laughs) And that doesn't even include the commute time back and forth through the windows of Los Angeles. Oh yeah. 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 What I find amazing though, is still, even though you're doing all of this uh, stuff for TV series and animated series, uh, every day you're doing the Thomas Perkins lunch bag uh, stuff. Yeah. How did, how did did that get started? Well, I, I was, uh, when my, my eldest lad was a wee, a wee kid, um, you know, he'd take his lunch to preschool or whatever like that. And I thought, you know, 
my, when I was a kid, my mom would send notes or this or that. And right. I'm, I'm not so good with the, the, the written word, but I thought, well, I'll, I'll make some little superheroes of himself to take with, with, with him for school. And I'll make him smile. And, um, and he dug it. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just do it. And, then, you know, he's like, Daddy, what do you do today? I'm like, oh, well, I'll think of something. And, um, and it just, you know, the other kids saw what their brother was getting and they were like, wow, I want a lunch pad. And I'm like, well, when you go to school, you can have lunch bags too. Um, and I just started doing it because I do spend so much time working that I don't want my kids thinking that I'm not thinking about them too. Right, right. So when I get up in the morning, I, uh, put on a pot of coffee, brew, and, uh, I grab some Sharpies and, Copic markers and go to town, and and now they're old enough where they're like, Dad, I want to, I want a sphinx, Dad. Put a sphinx on the bag. You just do that. So I get a little bit of art direction from the lunchkins now, but uh, we don't need notes. <laughs> not interested in notes. <laughs> well, but what I what I think is really cool though is there are times where all of the lunch bags in a row, you know, make up an even bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the panoramas oh, sure. are beautiful. Well, I thank you, thank you. Uh, no, I, I, well, the thing was, is at first it was, it, it, when I first started, they didn't do that. And then the more I would do it, I thought, well, you know, I, I, I want to tell a bigger story. And, and they, you know, if they saw them together, I wanted the little kids to go, oh, look, I'm playing with my brother, with my sister, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how I started doing that stuff. Um, and usually I'll, I'll keep that going these days unless, like, say, my daughter goes, but I don't want to be in an underwater sea battle. I want no, a pony. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, well, then you can have your own solo adventure today. Now, and you said that the reaction at school is is pretty crazy. I well, you know, I I I the re the, actually the re, the reaction I hear mostly would be from parents when I go to kids' birthday parties or oh. whatever. Because oh. my kids, I always am beginning to wonder if they think everybody does this or whatever. But but I'll be at a, a kids' birthday party and some parent will be watching me play with my kid or whatever and looking around, making sure my kid isn't trashing something. And and then and then they'll title up and they'll go so. Are you are you so and so's dad? I'm like, hey, yeah. Like, you're the guy who drives the lunch bags, right? I'm like, yeah. Like, why do you hate me? <laughs> now my kid wants me to draw lunch bags, and I can't draw anything. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. There's a reason so, why my child does not know about your blog, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sir, but you, my friend, have so many other fine influencers to bring to your child that I That's... I could scarcely scarcely imagine. Well, I, I'm certain, but you know, I, if, <laughs> as you know, as the creator of of Turnip Man, I have to ask you, you know, what oh, are sure. what 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 design or what you know what work do you feel you're most proud of? That you're most this is what I did. This is something that I made. Sure. Well, I mean, other than my my minor contributions to the wonders of Copernicus, um, uh, I will say that. Um, it's it's it, there's a lot of things I like for various reasons in my professional career. Um, uh, I, my biggest art project to date has to be the lunch bags for my kids, which mm-hmm. always causes me great happiness because it's it's the it's the one body of work where I'm not having somebody give me <laughs> notes for no apparent reason because it has. To uh, Wild Mutt should have more teeth, and he should look more like Wolverine, <laughs> and he knots enough to get sued. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, but each project I work on, there are certain things that I will say that I, I take great pleasure in. For instance, uh, case in point, uh, my stint on Green Green Lantern was was probably one of the most fun jobs I've had to date because in animation you have a lot of things where um, 
you can get very niche specialized. Like, okay, you're a character guy. You don't do color. You don't do props. Oh, you're a prop guy. You don't do anything else, whatever. And 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 that was a situation where actually the whole team had its fingers in doing all kinds of stuff. So I got to do uh, design effects, color things. Uh, I, I got to do props. I got to do characters. I got to do weapon effects. All these other things. Um, so when it came to the screen and I see how faithfully the NACs overseas followed what I was working on or how they would translate things or whatever, it was pretty exciting because normally if you're in a situation where you don't get that kind of input, you design something and in your head, you have an idea like, Oh, I, I see color breaks here and here. And I'd like this kind of thing happening and whatever. And then you send it off and you hope that the other department will agree and go, yeah, that is a good idea. I'll do that. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And and so to suddenly have a, a hand in that kind of thing, that was really exciting and a lot of fun. Uh, well, um, but I mean, in a lot of the things that you do, like right now, if if I were to show uh, my kids the uh, the t shirts that you designed for Critical Hit, uh, which people sure. love these love these shirts, you know, my kid can look at that and go, "Hey, you know, that looks like Ben Ten. Mm-hmm. That looks like." And so there is a lot of carryover from your style into the television series or into a, a 3D uh, world, which I believe everything with uh, Green Lantern was all 3D, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I designed it and in, in, I did 2D illustration and they would build it in 3D. But yeah, right. I mean, um, and, and I mean, that's certainly uh, an interesting carryover from, from anything is that uh, your sensibilities will carry over or you'll, you'll pick up um, something from a production you're on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I, one pro- project I got to work on that I had a great fun on, and I got to actually do sort of my own inclinations with with input, of course. But uh, I got the great pleasure to work with Peter Chung on Fire Breather, and, oh, yeah, and yeah. they said, "Well, okay, well, make some giant monsters." I'm like, "Oh, great!" And you know, <laughs> I was very excited and daunted by that because, of course, because it was 3D, it was a huge step up from the kind of level of, of detail you can put on a 2D show. Right. And, and I, I can get crazy artistic with some detail to be sure. But um but professionally I hadn't had a chance to really push the detail that far. Um because the only other three D thing I'd done prior to Fire Breather was uh TMNT. And and even though there was some detail on those, it was nothing like the kaiju's for Fire Breather. Um and then when I saw the benchmark that Peter Chung had laid down with the uh, the kaiju that was the fighter breather fellow's dad, um, I was like, oh my god, well, okay, let's see how we can carry the torch for that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was great fun. It was very time consuming to be sure because it actually having to draw that orthographically. Go, okay, well, here's all these scales and here's this and here's that, and then to make it functionally turn without actually having a three D model to work on, you're like, wow, that's that's a lot. Of, it, that's a lot of a challenge that. Was a lot of fun to do, but a little daunting sometimes. Um, but it came out really nicely when I saw what the, the modelers had done with the designs I, I had made. I was pretty stoked. You have, I mean, all these things: Fire Breather, Team and T, Ben Ten, Batman, Green Lantern. All these things are there. I mean, they're they're in the record, so to speak, mm-hmm. of of your work. Um, and and certainly, you know, the uh, hero history that we did with Kablamicus that you and Matthew worked on, which was a lot of fun and really came I, out I great. love what, what Matthew did with that. I got to say, I read that thing and tackled for weeks because it was those, those so, comics so well scripted out. Those comics to find. I mean, I, uh-huh. I dug for months to find those comics, too. <laughs> um, it was, I, it was clearly, months. clearly. Yeah. And, and, your, and your diligence 
will, will go down in comics history as the most amazing thing ever. And, and I was so excited to see what you brought to bear. So, well, at some point, we uh, still need to talk about that one uh, story called uh, That Door. Isn't that what it was called, Matthew? That door? <laughs> the, the scary door. The scary door, or whatever it was. Yeah, hey, yeah. look at that weird door. That, that weird, no, it was the weird door. That's right. That weird door. Exactly. But I mean, even stuff that, that you've done with major spoilers, which I'm so happy that you've done this stuff for. I mean, even people, uh, uh, as we're trying to hit our, our funding goat, uh, the funding goat graphic is done by by Thomas. So if people want to see the full on goat let's let's fill it up let's hit that goal yeah. and you'll see the full on goat. goat but i'm, I'm they, really they, they should join me they should join me and become a regular subscriber to major spoilers so that we can see what magical wonderful things can happen through you guys <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> but what so going back to the blogs to the uh, lunch bags again uh-huh. what happens to this beyond the the photograph that you take and post on your blog every day what happens when the kids are done with lunch? Are they saving these for like 30 years sometimes from now so they that they survive, can say? Some, well, sometimes they survive, sometimes they don't. And quite frankly, um, I, I design them with the knowledge that applesauce may cause great havoc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they may not survive. Um, but that, that's initially why I started the blog was because I wanted there to be some record of it that I couldn't lose in a house fire or whatever like that. Um because I figure right now, you know, as little kids, they probably dig it, but they, you know, who knows? They may even get jaded with it. But one day, one day, they'll be like, look at this. And um, my dad, boy, I tell you, maybe I shouldn't put him out in the ice flow because <laughs> look at these lunch bags he did. This is awesome. Um, but uh, I, 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 I sort of debate with the idea of actually compiling them into a book at some point because um, I think right now I'm up to almost 400 and. 80 days of lunch bags. Wow. So I, I, wow. that body of work of these things, um, that's scary. it's just done surely out of the fun of doing it for the kids. Well, just the fact that I you have these. I haven't done anything for that many days that didn't involve <laughs> digesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may not have had 480 consecutive lunches, much less drawn lunch bags. When I, now, each of, these rep, each of these characters, of course, represents one of your children. But, you know, some of sure. the design and the look, I'm like, that would make such an awesome wallpaper. That would make a cool oh, yeah. print on some kid's pajamas. Well, I don't disagree with you in the slightest. I actually have a few things in mind that I like to do with them, but I don't want it to jinx myself. Sure, sure. Because um, I juggle so many things. But, um, I mean, the, the thing about them, which is kind of fun and kind of liberating, is just the the idea of you know, it, it, it sort of harkens back to what I love about comics and what I kind of miss about comics is just, especially if you look at the Silver Age goodness, which I'm sure um, Matthew can relate to. It's just what, the what means of, this Silver Age of which you speak? The Silver Age or whatever, golden. Who knows? Even it could even be Golden Age, perhaps. But um, just the idea that you know, it, it's okay if you suddenly decide that one day your kids needs to dress like a zebra. Why I don't know, and I don't know. But what the heck? It could be fun. What well, you know? Maybe it's a dragon today. Whatever. Because right, right. mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid, comics were they were a bit jauntier than today. They mm-hmm. were a little bit more fun. Um, and so I wanted to convey, convey that to my kids because, you know, it's like if I try to get them hooked on the comics today, there's not a huge, huge, um, selection for them to look at it. We're not going old school. Um, does so I'm this, start making them from further than myself. Does this then kind of serve as kind of a warm up exercise for you in the morning? Sure. Sure. I would, I, well, it's, it's just <laughs> the idea of doing something for the sheer fun of it. Sure. 
it, it doesn't have to make money. It doesn't have to, you know, I don't have to consider, like, you know, right. Pizza and P says you can't have a kid. This is too complicated to animate. We need you to simplify the costume. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Well, you, yeah, you, I, I've never drawn for animation, but I know that you probably. But, but you know what? You almost right there. You almost had an executive tone. It was astoundingly good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've heard that before. Yeah, that's my Leon um, Schlesinger right there. Lovely, lovely, fantastic. You're hired. Quick, <laughs> get a plane ticket to L.A. So, what are projects that you're working on now that you can talk about or promote? Uh, well, well, currently. Um, it, though it's a hard one to say. I know. Got, you can always just say... A lot of stuff I'm wearing right now is kind of NDA. Um, right, right, right. I will say that um, though long overdue, I, I, I'm working on something with the fine people over Monkey Brain, which I'm very excited about. Excellent. Um, oh, you did their... Uh, you am, did their didn't you do their uh, Monkey Brain well, logo two years ago? Or last year? Didn't you do one of their logos? It was, it was last year, and yeah. the thing, the problem was, unfortunately, as an animation professional, sometimes you just have more work than you know what to do with. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that would be my my major contention in life is that I unfortunately I was I, I've been so booked that it, it did it did it did put me in the category of some of those people who just they're, they're the long term project people. Um, but that being said, it's still it's still in the works. It hasn't fallen off the map. Cool. I'm just uh, I'm just actually getting to the point now where most of the, the horrendous over extracurricular work I've had is now starting to ease a bit and so i'll be be running with them like the crazy person. oh well in that case Which you I'm and i really will have some conversations about. later because <laughs> there has been a, a cry for more uh, critical hit merchandise well you know i i actually have a few things in mind for critical hit that i really want to illustrate um okay. that i've been thinking about so we definitely will have to talk yeah definitely yeah. definitely definitely so uh yeah. torque has sideburns and a cape now See, see, we can work all that stuff out. Do, do you fellows have any certain things that have been burning in your mind for critical hit that you'd like to see? Oh, as far as artwork? Oh. Um, sure. I know people sure, are... You have uh, no idea. Yeah, boy, I still... <laughs> if I had merchandise to, to craft, it would certainly be taking your designs and turning those into, you know, the maquettes, the statues. Yeah. Uh, fully oh, rendered. I tell you right groups. now, that's that's one of the magical things I'm, I'm trying to learn right now. Is I'm actually trying to learn how to build things in 3D because I would love to see stuff printed out. 3D. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll have to chat in a few months. So uh, and I know the other that, thing that, people are asking. out there. Oh yeah, I mean a 3D printer. I am like so close to just saying, you know, one of these MakerBot uh, things. I'm just going to drop the money and buy it. Yeah. Um. And oh, and of you course, know, it, they're very tempting. I'm. Very tempted by those things, but I kind of feel like I want to wait an iteration or two just to make yeah, sure yeah. that they actually uh, the bugs are mostly worked out. I'm pretty sure that I, I hate that, that feeling. You get. Oh, what? Steven doesn't do that. <laughs> well, sometimes I do, and no. sometimes and sometimes I wait and say, "Okay, I'm just going to wait as long as I can," and then I buy it, and then the next day they announce the brand new version of that, <laughs> uh, which you, is you probably never... that's always the risk you take. Yeah. I, I remember back in the day. Um, I'm, I'm, I confess to doing something of a lot of at times, but I remember um, back in the day when all the guys I worked with in animation had to get portable DVD players. Mm -hmm. was awesome. They were the best thing ever, and it only cost $1,000. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, how much? I mean, I, I work in TV, but how much do I really like DVDs? Not $1,000 worth. <laughs> and now you can buy one with a Happy Meal. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm well, I'm pretty waiting, sure. But I will say the. 
I'm pretty sure that my university has a 3D printer. Yeah, we got one. So I'm interested in finding some models, hint, hint, and uh, <laughs> and try and running some stuff and see what happens with those. Well, I Be will say that I, I've Steven been taking a, a class recently. That, yeah, I recently took a class in a program called ZBrush, which is a yeah, lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, and um, being able to, to rapidly visualize characters you have in your head in a 3D environment is pretty exciting um, because it does free you up to kind of go, oh well. How would those how would those torque points really work? Okay, cool. I'll build that around and get that shape to wrap like that. Perfect. Look yeah, at yeah. that. And I, then I, the ability to actually print that out later would be astounding. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like ZBrush, how you can just paint on and it's and it's uh, basically you're sculpting with virtual putty. Mm-hmm. Um I remember oh, a few totally. years ago, uh, uh Georgia Tech had actually developed something that was kind of like a bag filled with little bitty beads, kind so it was like a very flexible bean bag. And that was your interface wow. for the 3D model. So if you're pushing in on the portion of the model, it's shaping that same indention on the model and everything. Uh, it was that it was really cool. Amazing. I, I geek out on a lot of that stuff. So, <laughs> well, the, the magic of technology, in, you know, in the arts and whatever like that, is it's it's changing so rapidly now that there's there's you're never lacked for something cool to learn that you can make something really neat with. Oh yeah. Um, you, you, you turn around like, look at what I can do with this. And uh, I mean, I, I still remember geeking out the first Cintiq I got to work on back when I was on Ben 10. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, do you want to try one of these out? I'm like, wait, you can draw on the screen? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, I know for some of the masking work that Zach and I do, you know, having one of those Screens. tablets is just like up there on the list yeah. uh, when it comes it, to. It's, I, I will say that for years and years, I, I'd heard rumors of such things. But once you work with one, after you, I mean, especially after you spend all the time to learn how to draw without looking at your hand with a mm-hmm. Wacom tablet, mm-hmm. and then you, you get back to me, you know, actually see where your hand is directing the brush strokes and stuff, it's, it's a huge, you're like, oh, I can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so do you work, do you work, how much of your work is just digital and how much of it still involves traditional markers and pen and... Um, I, I would say that professionally, um, I would say it's almost 100% digital now mm-hmm. because oh. it, it aids in the speed of production in the pipeline. So it, it, it removes the needing to scan things, use a photocopy machine or any of that stuff. You can just do it straight into Photoshop and you can do whatever modifications you need to do and there you're good to go. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, I, I, I have... Um, uh, sort of a dysfunction of my own where I always have a pocket full of pens and at least two or three sketchbooks on me at any given time because you never know when you're going to draw something you're out in public and napkins just suck. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, I try to always keep something of traditional media around me because, you know, A, if your computer dies, you don't want to be right. Senseless. And, um, which I actually had happen the other day with my, uh, my, some part of my computer decided it needed to catch on fire. Ugh. And uh, I had about three or four days without a computer, which was like maddening because that's usually when you have the deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's always good to be able to have that, that backup with the Copic markers and whatever else you've got on hand. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, that, uh, I will say that. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I say that. And I will say that I try to make sure I, I I'm doing something with pen and paper every day. Cause you know, I got, I got to keep my chops up for the lunch bags. So the oh, kids yeah. are like, Dad, come on. Don't make me go get a Justin Bieber lunchbox. Come on. 
Well, you know, in addition to the lunchbox, uh, the lunchbag blog, which everybody should go check out, and of course, all the TV shows you mm-hmm. do on your own Facebook page, you're posting stuff that's pretty cool almost every day. I mean, yeah. you've got uh, I won't say that it is Batman, but you've got this uh, bat like creature and a, and, and, uh, <laughs> a spider like fellow. And you're Kid just doing all this stuff for fun. I mean, the stuff that you, you did with uh, um, Red Panda Adventures, the stuff you've done for Critical Hit, the stuff you're doing for, oh, here, I may have fun, uh, found something that you're doing with Monkey Brain right now. Um, or maybe this is just a fan art thing that you did for Edison Rex. Um, oh, no, that, that was, that, that was they, they contacted, I talked to Dennis Culver, and he asked me if I'd want to do a pinup for them. Oh, cool. So uh, it's, it, that's in their latest trade of uh, Edison Rex, which came out uh, last month, I believe. Excellent. And for those people who enjoy the, the old school comic goodness, Edison Rex, a damn fine read. Oh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, I was very flattered they asked me to do a pinup for that. So, But just going through, the, through your Facebook uh, galleries, there's just so much stuff there to look at. Well, I, I, I have one of those things where since I was a little kid, pretty much my big, big thing that I like to do is to, to make, I like to draw, I like to make stuff. And, and so and it's sort of an obsession, I guess. Um, you know, it, it, there's more hours, to, you know, in the day that could be spent creating stuff, but then sleeping would have to yeah, go yeah. and whatever. Mm, and then your heart gives out and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that could be you know, a lot of fun. And as for like that strangely bad light fellow or those other things. Um, well, I, I can't tell which I, warm up stuff at the moment. I, I don't know which is my favorite. The, uh, the ones that look like uh, Jack, the Ripper era, maybe Batman and Robin or the uh, ones that look like a Tintin version of Batman, oh. and Batgirl. <laughs> it's between one of those two right now, which is my favorite uh, piece that you've done. Well, I, I, my favorite those, is still uh, Kid Corruptor as flying selfie, which is probably <laughs> the funniest thing I've seen on the internet in forever. Well, <laughs> you, know, you know, those kids, you know, they're always with their, with their, their cell phones and their loud rock music. What can you do, you know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, the, 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 uh, the sort of the old Springfield Jack looking Batman and Robin, I actually had a lot of fun with because it, it was sort of, um, and the Tintin one too, because I grew up with the Tintin, despite you know not having read Tintin in a million years. I, I as a kid, that was like, I think my first comic was Tintin. Oh, really? So, cool. Because uh, they had it at the local library back in New Hampshire where I lived, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" And it was um, Tintin and the Golden Crab Claws or something. Oh, like yeah. That. And um, so it was that and uh, Asterix and Obelix and things. I haven't really gotten onto a bad Asterix yet, but who knows? It could happen. But um, uh, an asterisk and Obelix, is, is, Batman and Robin, that would be awesome. That would be cool. Robin would be yeah. Obelix. Oh, totally. It, it would have to be. It would have to be. Uh, I may have to do that for you just now to finish it. In the green shorts, yeah. Yeah, in the green, yes, exactly. in the green pixie shorts and boots, yes. That would be awesome. Yeah, pixie boots on Obelix would be stuff. <laughs> and then, and then asterisk as Batman. And, exactly. uh, and, and, uh, and what's the dog's name? Uh, Snowy. No, no, no. That's Ace Snowy. the Bat Snowy. But he would be Ace the Bat, the Bat Hound, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would be a formidable beast, to be sure. Yes. I would quail in fear. Do you, uh, or at least the Roman legions would be. Do you still have your <laughs> sketchbooks for sale, or was that a, has that run its... Uh... No, no, I still do, actually. Where can people I find that do. at? 
That can be found um, through artofiction.com, um, where they have a selection of, of, of art books done by um, compatriots in the animation field, myself included. Um, and then another place that has a fine selection of art books that if people like uh, animation or European comics or the like would be um, an online book service called Stuart Ng Books. Um, and they, they have they have a copy of my book as well as many other fine things um, if you're interested in, in the popular culture arts. Um, and I, I'm sure it's in other places that I'm not familiar with because the publisher Art of Fiction has sold it in, to places in France and this and that and the other thing. So I don't know sure. all places. But the main, the main areas would be artofiction.com and stewartinbooks.com, I believe. All right, excellent. Well, Thomas, we are about out of time. Well, I appreciate talking to you guys. I'm a huge fan of your show and listen to you every week. Um, I, I thank you for the opportunity to chat with you guys. Well, and I'm I'm surprised we haven't had you on sooner. I'm sorry that yeah. we didn't well, get you on there. It's all my fault. Not yeah, a worry. Yes, not a worry. <laughs> well, as, as you fellows have so much of the popular culture arena to cover, I'm certainly not offended in the slightest. I know you guys are terribly busy building the empire that you're building. And uh, I, 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 I avidly await to see how that goes because I wish to have more major spoilers myself. Well, we will continue so. to uh, to do as long as you continue to do and as long as we all continue Excellent. to do, we will do that. Keep, keep drawing the human fly and alter the multi-alien, and we'll be best friends. See, see, I'll have to, definitely. I, I tell you what, anytime I can get him as a guest star on my Avengers stuff, I will say it's a good day. Because you always have to feel like, who's that guy? I'm like, you don't know the glory of the human fly? Come now. Come now. 19 issues in 1979. Now I have to do a hero history. Oh, Get in the scanner. Out. Anyway, well, thank you very much, guys. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, listeners. Thank you so much for uh, listening to the show this week. I really, if you guys want to see Thomas Perkins art, you really need yeah. to either go to his Facebook page, mm -hmm. just look up Thomas Perkins, look up the lunch uh, bag blog, because that is just awesome stuff it's right wonderful. there. Yeah, and what's really cool, epic. what I like about this is that he's doing it for his kids, yeah. right? I mean, it's just like, hey, I love you so much that I'm drawing you this picture that features you as a superhero doing cool things and having adventures with your brothers and sister. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, that is truly amazing. Then of course, catch his stuff. I mean, he started rattling yeah, off shows, and he's. Uh, we forgot to mention the Avengers work that he had, he'd done. So, yeah. uh, it's out there. Go check it out. Thomas Perkins, really great guy. And not to continue to plug, but if you're looking for some of his critical hit art, uh, he's done it on T-shirt form slash loot dot com. And I think that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, uh, I think Rodrigo will be back next week, he and knows. of course we will have some uh, comic books to talk about. A whole lot more. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers. Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. 
plus as soon as that comic book store guy knew he kicked my butt out on the corner yeah what a major spoiler Hulking green or gray I could just buzz through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little me would deal With all those tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I bag and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. What I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king set though Spoilers is copyright 2013.